Welcome to episode 93 of the Never Ending Glory Podcast. I am your host, Luke Grilly. No Sean Z tonight. He's enjoying the Indians game, but I am here with Jason Farky Farkas. And Farky, first off, how's it going? A long day. Been a long day. And uh, it's sad to see we don't have our counterpart, Sean Z, here tonight. He's taking care of business in the ballpark, making sure the Indians are all set and ready for a run in the World Series against our Boston Red Sox. Right, right, right. Yankees are currently beating the Red Sox 4-1 to right now. But, um, yes, the Indians, uh, if you checked out our call or Major League Baseball podcast at NEG Pod MLB, um, you'll be sure to keep up with all the latest that's going on with Major League Baseball. And then, of course, if you follow Farky and Sean over at the College Football Podcast at NEG Pod CFB, not only do they, uh, does the host Nick Schill talk about not pleasuring his wife, but you guys also talk about corn, drinking, uh, betting. Uh, what else do you guys talk about over there? We hit on a little bit of everything. Uh, cr- crime within uh, programs. You know, nothing's nothing's off the table here. Right, right. You guys are the bad boys of podcasting, so um, that's that's known throughout the Never Ending Glory podcast family here. Um, of course, we are the Fantasy Football Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Glory Podcast. On Facebook, Never Ending Glory Podcast. Search for that and you'll find us. And then on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify, be sure to rate us five stars. You can also find us in the podcast app on your Apple iPhone. Uh, check out our blog, www.negpodcast.com, where we're releasing articles almost daily. Uh, we are recording on a Wednesday night. This will release Thursday morning. Also Thursday morning, we will have the Play and Fade article that comes out with our best plays and fades, obviously. Uh, the name is pretty self-explanatory. But uh, we got plenty of in-season content rolling out. Then, of course, we'll have the Thrive's Fantasy Picks of the Week as well, their prop bets. You can uh, sign up using our link and gain an extra 5 bucks into your bank account. But, Farky, I want to talk Week 2 of the NFL with you. Uh, most notably, um, both our teams lost on Sunday. The Patriots lost to the Jags. The Browns lost to the Saints in a heartbreaking fashion yet again. But... Before that game, uh, Josh Gordon was deemed inactive due to a hamstring injury, and then he was traded to my beloved Patriots. So, as a Pats fan, I'm thrilled with the move. I think it's a very low-risk, high-upside move. Uh, you think differently as a Cleveland fan, so let's let's talk about this trade before we dive into uh, our thoughts on Week 2. Well, regarding the Browns' loss, I'll make that simple. A day in the life. Regarding <laughs> Josh Gordon... Two words, good riddance. That mm-hmm. has been an emotional roller coaster now for the last three, four seasons. Uh, I, I guess I, I understand what the Patriots are hoping for out of him. I, I, I really think they're getting delusional at this point, picking up all the all the Cleveland wideout garbage between Corey Coleman and now Josh Gordon. There's certainly more upside to Josh Gordon, but uh, the guy is addicted to drugs, and he's a piss test away from never playing football again. Uh, They're picking up a guy who is intelligence level is on the line of you can make tens of millions of dollars or nothing or just $700,000 a year. And all you have to do is stop smoking weed. And he couldn't do it. Not even Mm. forever, just until you retire. Couldn't (laughs) do it. So, I mean, rationalize that for a minute. That's the package you're getting. I get that. Uh, first off, Corey Coleman signed to the Patriots practice squad after he got cut for uh, when they traded for Josh Gordon. But, uh, I know, I mean, being close with the Cleveland group, 
obviously I keep an eye out on everything going on Browns. I hear what you guys talk about him or what you say about him for the past four or five years when his status has been in limbo. And I get it. I mean, if if I was a Browns fan and I had to consistently hear about Josh Gordon's playing or he's not going to play or he's leaving training camp because he's got to deal with his personal issues or this or that, I'd get it for sure. Um, but, you know, the way I kind of look at it is I think that what happened was is you guys were banking on him to be something special because you saw the 1,600-yard season. You saw how great he could be in, in a, with, with mediocre quarterback play. Uh, and there was always that tease for you guys. As a Patriots fan, the way I look at it is it's a fresh start for him. Do I think he's going to make it? Probably not. I did put it a 65% chance that he actually makes it, you know, the 10 games uh, active on the Patriots roster. So the Browns don't have to give up a seventh-round pick as well. But I just think that there's something to be said about going from a situation where you feel like you're not wanted, and rightfully so. The Browns should have wiped their hands clean of Josh Gordon years ago. Now he's going to a situation with a team that's has their issues, of course, but has some semblance of organization within the team, which the Browns have not had throughout Josh Gordon's tenure as, as a professional football player. So I think that has something to say um, in the matter. Obviously, we'll find out in the next few weeks. He's going to be active this week against the, the, the Lions. And what I do like about it is, listen, he's not Randy Moss. We know that. But other than Randy Moss, he's arguably the most talented wide receiver the Patriots have ever had. The, Brady's always made nothing out of something with the guys like Edelman, Welker, Troy Brown, castoffs who nobody really thought were going to be anything, and then he turns them into solid players. Well, that's not given, even debatable. He, he is, period. And given a guy with Josh Gordon's elite talent, if he can get his shit together, huge F, big F, there is tremendous upside in that offense that is just lacking a solid wideout, elite wideout. I mean, we saw Chris Hogan break out as the number one guy. Phil Dorsett in week one as the number one guy. These guys are not the, the type of receiver that's going to win you a Super Bowl. Josh Gordon is. And that's true. But here's here's the way I see it and the difference between the Browns and the Patriots organizations, especially with the regime that's in there right now leading the Browns. So Josh Gordon failed in Cleveland with his hand being held everywhere, um, being patted on the ass with everything he did, um, you know, coaxed along, come on, Josh, you can do it, all this all this childish encouragement, treat it like a <laughs> child, basically. Mm-hmm. That won't happen in New England. I, I understand, you know, Belichick runs a t- type ship, and people may say, well, that's the way he is, why does he want guys like this? His, the way he runs a ship doesn't change. When Josh Gordon goes over there, no one's going to make sure he's getting to a meeting on time or what he's doing on the weekend. Either he's going to do it all right or he's gone. And he can't do it all right when he's being babysat. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see what they do. I don't know what their plan is. I mean, for troubled guys like Corey Dillon coming over, I don't know how they handled that. Um, so that's a, that's a great point. I really don't know what, what that's going to look like. Um, I think, too, the, the reason why the Browns had such a short leash with, with Gordon is not for the zero-tolerance policy. I think Dorsey just wanted to get rid of him. And it's a bad look if you cut a guy who's going through treatment and who's, you know, quote-unquote checking all the boxes to make his life better. This, this alleged hamstring pull that happened, again, allegedly 
him, I guess Gordon was chasing a drone in a photo shoot that was actually happening at Brown Stadium. Correct. Or at the team facility. Correct. You know, so so he didn't show up late to a meeting if he, if he was at the actual facility. I think it's just an excuse. They wanted to get rid of him. They, Dorsey did not – he was not Dorsey's guy. I think Dorsey loves what he sees in Callaway, and he wants Callaway to, to, to succeed, and he knows that having a cancer like Josh Gordon is not good for the, the potential of Antonio Callaway. So – I think that has more to do with with the trade, and not so much that that Gordon broke any rules. What, what are your thoughts on that? From what I understand, the the hamstring joke injury did come from you know non football related photo shoot or filming, whatever it was. My understanding is that he was late to something, um, whether it was a meeting, whether it was to catch a bus, whatever it was, and that he was not acting as himself. So they okay. could have, uh, you know, they could have escalated, you know, what that really was. I don't know. I do know that since the beginning, it's kind of documented in Cleveland that he wasn't a Dorsey guy. He wasn't going to be a Dorsey guy, and Dorsey was not going to give him a leash. And Hugh, I think, carried him along much farther than people expected. I know Sean Z and I, we had to eat crow a little bit. We were strong proponents that he was never going to play a snap. And we were wrong about that. But if it wasn't for Hugh, he never even would have been out there game one. Um, This was the final, you know, nail in the coffin for Dorsey to be able to say, okay, that's it. Your guy's done. And Hugh had no rebuttal at this point. Yep. No, I think we're in lockstep with that. I just think that, you're, you're right, he was Hughes' guy, and uh, Dorsey just had no desire to have him on his roster. And I think that just tells you that Dorsey has no desire to have Hugh Jackson uh, as the head coach next year, too. So you guys will be searching for – I think there, there's a plan in place right now for, for who's next in line. Whether that's the, Haley, whether it's somebody else, I don't know. The only other interesting thing about that is him and Callaway have a lot of similarities outside of maybe a drug problem and taking care of their kids. But mm-hmm. – you know, Dorsey was involved in selecting Callaway. So I think even though there are some, some personality similarities there, Dorsey does have a personal investment in Callaway succeeding. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that you're right. And to, for that opportunity to happen, I think you've got to get rid of Josh Gordon. And listen, like I said, if he comes to New England and he does well and he, he learns the system or even him and Brady just have a little, all right, let's play some backyard football here real quick. Just, just go run a nine and I'll get the ball to you. Even if that's the case, I think he will be successful here. Now, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Could he be cut by week seven? Absolutely. I could definitely see that. Uh, I expect that to possibly happen. But if that is the case, the Patriots only gave up a fifth-round pick for him and they'll get a seventh-round pick back. So uh, I like the risk associated with that deal. Belichick saw it in week one and two that his receivers were not going to get it done. Uh, so before we tell anybody to go ahead and pick up Josh Gordon in your fantasy leagues, let's wait and see a little bit. I would not actually, um, in the trade target article that I released today, I said Josh Gordon is a person that you try to trade right now because you could probably get a King's Ransom for him. Just going to New England boosts his value so much. So if you want to explore that, you definitely can. You can let us know on Twitter. If you do that, send us any trade advice questions you might have. You can send us emails to at podcast at gmail.com. But Farky, uh, good talk about Josh Gordon, the Browns, and the Pats. Let's talk about what happened in week two. We had a lot of uh, big things go on. Uh, again, my guy, Patrick Mahomes, guy's a golden god. F- what, five more touchdowns this week? He had three in the first quarter. 40-plus um, fantasy point game. 
He's the number two quarterback right now in fantasy behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, which absolutely blows my mind. We'll talk about him in a second. But is there any slowing down Patrick Mahomes? And is he going to just be a what Deshaun Watson was last year before he got hurt? Everything points that way right now for me. I'm not buying it yet. Um, awesome first two games. The guy has all the talent, um, arm strength decision-making skills in the world that we've seen out of these first two games. In fact, uh, Brett Favre was, was quoted as saying he's as good as anybody in the league now or has ever played the game. So I think a bit <laughs> of a stretch there. Uh, yeah. Again, for me, he's played two games, one against a god-awful Pittsburgh defense. Um, that just can't be the litmus test for me. Uh, also played against San Diego. He has San Francisco coming up. So even after this week, for me, it's really hard to put a lot of uh, long-term stock in what he's done these first three games. But I agree. Um, all the intangibles are there at this point. I just need a, a bit more on the resume. I can see that. No, I mean, obviously people are overreacting about week one and week two. Uh, I'm sure his dynasty stock is at an all-time high. Listen, I've, I love what Mahomes is doing. I thought he was going to be successful for a few reasons. One, because of Andy Reid's offense. Also, because he's got Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt, Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill surrounding him. Uh, that team just, he's set up to be successful. And he's shown accuracy. He's shown good poise. He's shown smart decision-making athleticism. Like you said, it's strong arm. He's just doing everything right right now. Now, will he continue this um, 80-touchdown pace? No, he won't. He can't do that. you know. But if he keeps on this three touchdowns a game, two touchdowns a game, I mean, he's going to be close to 50. And that's that's those are numbers that can win you your fantasy league. Uh, unfortunately, I took uh, your and Sean Z's uh, uh, suggestion last week and started Cam Newton over him, which wasn't a terrible move. Uh, Mahomes outscored Newton by about 15 points, and I lost to Rue by 13 points this week. But uh, I was I was in total agreement with you guys. I thought that Newton was was the play, but obviously from now on, uh, Patrick Mahomes will definitely be my starter moving forward for the foreseeable future. And uh, Cam Newton is finding himself on the trade block because I don't want to start Peyton Barber at running back anymore. <laughs> well, we're, we're in line there, especially um, with him playing San Francisco this week. I was in the same boat as you. I started uh, Philip Rivers over him, and again, Philip Rivers had 30, 31 points, um, and I lost by five. So, yeah. you know, what do you do? Philip Rivers right. had a great game. He won't yep. be starting this week against the Rams, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, Rams scare the hell out of me. Um, what What's one of your takeaways from week two? Uh, panic mode for uh, any LaShawn McCoy owners, injury or no injury. I know you have some thoughts on him. Uh, we chatted a little bit before this, but uh, for me, I, I can't start him. I'm, I've got him in a league that he killed me in last week. I can't do it. He's going to be on my bench. Um, you know, with everything that's come out in the media, uh, that obviously raises big concerns. But outside of that, that Buffalo offense is just so bad. We'll get into it in the matchups this week. But um, they don't even look to give him the ball. He's not even being targeted out of the backfield. I mean, for, for LaShawn McCoy not to be targeted out of the backfield is just, you know, an ostrosity. So I can't do it. He's sitting for me. That's a big takeaway. What do you think about Shady? I, I, he's, off my, he's off my starting roster. Well, who are you starting over him right now? Chris Thompson. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, at least you have a really a solid option to start over him. Uh, I You know, I agree that I going into the season – Knowing how bad that offensive line was, the offense was going to be, the, the, the stuff going on in his personal life, pending suspension, 
I was talking to Sean leading up to the drafts, and I think I said that if he was there in the fifth or sixth round, I don't think I'd take him just because I don't even want to put myself in that situation. Now, fortunately, guys like Sean were taking him in the third round, so I don't have to worry about it. But, uh, yeah, you can't start him. You, you simply put cannot start him. Obviously, he's got a rib injury. He's going to try to fight through it. This week he's going against the Vikings. <laughs> not a recipe for success. Uh, I would not be shocked if he missed the game or if he missed significant time in this game and Chris Ivory took over. But, you know, my other main concern with Shady was are the wheels starting to fall off too. The guy's got a ton of touches. He's been in the league since 2008. Uh, he came in the league young, so he still is, I think, 29. But he's got a lot of miles on his legs, and at some point, he just physically can't hold up, and I think that we're starting to see that. And this is just the perfect storm of mediocrity, and um, you, you can't afford to, to play him. And I agree 100% with, with your starting Chris Thompson over him. Uh, he's shown absolutely nothing in the first two weeks. Time to move on. Uh, yeah. You know, if you, can, if you can trade him on name brand alone, go for it. Here's what, here's what concerns me the most about him is that that offense has been so bad these first two weeks and they've been playing from so far behind, and they will surely again this week against Minnesota, and he only has four targets for those first two games. At this point, he should have 20 targets as bad as that offense is. They could at least throw five-yard outs or flare passes out of the backfield to him, and he has four targets. Yeah, let him let him get in space because that's where he's always made his money, and they just refuse to give him the ball. So I think we're seeing the end of an era in, uh, in Buffalo, and Shady's probably seen the end of his, uh, you know, First round, second round, fantasy football value. But uh, another really bad offense that is impacting a first round pick is Arizona and David Johnson. Uh, David Johnson was a was looking for to have a thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards receiving, and the way things are going with him and wh- the way that they're using him right now, that does not look like it's the case. Uh, does David Johnson turn it around after two pretty subpar outings to begin the season? I think they're going to have to start Rosen for it, for it to make any difference. And this is near and dear to my heart. I took David Johnson, uh, number one, in Sean Z's league that, that he hosts as commissioner. PPR league, I took him number one. Yikes. Uh, so, so imagine what I'm dealing with over there. And uh, <laughs> I, I really don't. I don't see it getting any better. And um, actually, Sean Z and I chatted about this a little bit before the pod. I wanted to get his take a bit. And, and he said he doesn't think the Rosen thing's even going to happen anytime soon because I told him, I said, look, they're set up to get blown out again this week. Is it an, an end to, to Bradford? He said, I, I think they uh, I think they leave Bradford in there just to, to take a beating at least through like week seven when they get through some of the hump of the season and then maybe put Rosen in there. But uh, to answer your question, I, I don't think we see an improvement until there's a change to the quarterback position. You know, I was surprised that Sam Bradford struggled as much as he had because – when he was healthy last season with Minnesota, which was just in game one, he lit it up. And also when he was healthy the year before, he played fairly well. So I thought that, you know, with Larry Fitzgerald, David Johnson, that he would be solid this year. But that was not the case in the first two weeks. Obviously, he played the Rams last week, which nobody's going to look good against them. Uh, the Vikings, nobody's going to look good against them either. I'm not sure who they're playing in week four. But uh, I think that we're going to see another tough week this week. But in week four, when the schedule starts to get a little bit easier, I believe that his talent will shine. Uh, the, the offense has to figure it out. Brand new coach, uh, Steve Wilkes, I think his name is, they got to figure out with him 
you got to get your best player of the ball. And David Johnson is clearly the best player. It doesn't matter if he's getting 20 carries a game or he's getting 10 targets out of the backfield. He's a difference maker. He's an impact player. They need to get him the ball, and I think they're going to force feed him any way that they can. But well, here, here's the here's the problem with the way Bradford's running that offense right now is he's he's making no attempts past 10 yards. So all that's creating is an inability to run the ball. They're stacking the box. They got eight or nine in the box. He's going to go nowhere when he when he carries it, and it even takes away from them throwing the ball to him because if ever, the defense is still sucked up when, when they're not worried about anybody throwing the ball past ten yards, so there's no opportunity to even get him loose. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a very good point. And it's not like Johnson is one of those shifty guys. He he he's a big, strong back. So if if you swarm him, then obviously he has trouble breaking you know multiple tacklers. So that that'll definitely be a concern. FYI, they play the Bears this week, so Khalil Mack may put an end to the Sam Bradford <laughs> Yes, that's right. That's right. I, I picked up the Bears defense anywhere I could after week one, and uh, that's right. They are facing the Cardinals this week. So, still, that, that's uh, – but I will – I think that uh, – the Bears' defense can be penetrated a little bit for the run game, so he might be able to open something up that way. But in the pass game, I mean, you're right. Khalil Mack's going to be all over Sam Bradford on passing down, so um, that's not going to be pretty either. But um, all right, any other uh, any other takes from Week Two that you want to talk about? Uh, we'll get into the Antonio Brown situation more in the matchups. One, one other thing I want to get into is something else that's infuriated me because of draft picks I've made in two leagues, PPR leagues, Pete Carroll is a con artist and a liar to fantasy <laughs> players. Uh, he released another statement yesterday, or I'm sorry, Monday, saying that Chris Carson is the clear number one on this week's step chart. This has been a reoccurring theme since the middle of camp, where Rashad Penny's come in 18 pounds overweight, which he's only had a 220-pound playing weight since the, the combine, and done nothing but praise and glorify Chris Carson. And week after week, into this season, they're splitting carries. And it's it's infuriating because what else can you go by other than the head coach? And why would he play head games with, with supposedly their lead running back? It's it, The yards per carry aren't even close. They split carries, I, again, I said last week, uh, 7.3 for, uh, for Carson, 1.1 uh, for Rashad Penny week one, and then they were at four and three yards per carry this past week. So, He's he's visibly outplaying him in their shared in their shared work here, and it's mm-hmm. just it's something that I can't trust. And Chris Carson's not going to be able to be a play for me this week. Well, well, and especially last week too. Um, Rashad Penny got all the touches in the second half, and people asked Pete Carroll why that was, and Pete Carroll said because Chris Carson was gassed from playing special teams. Well, why the hell are you playing your number one running back on special teams? <laughs> I mean. It's- He's it's the he's the, old, he's the only starting running back in, in maybe NFL history that's playing on special teams. Mind blowing. It, it, you're right. I I I've been off the uh, the Seahawks bandwagon all year. I did take Doug Baldwin in, in one draft at the end of the third round, which I'm kicking myself in. But I just this team is just a shell of their former self. We mentioned after our draft recap that the Seahawks defense went undrafted, which felt like the end of an era. But. Uh, yeah, I hear you. I'd be frustrated with Chris Carson, too. I stayed away from that situation anywhere I could. I, I didn't trust it. Uh, I, I didn't believe that Chris Carson would be the starter through the first few weeks because you don't draft Rashad Penny in the first round to have Chris Carson be your guy. But, obviously, 
Pete Carroll keeps on saying he's going to be his guy, and then he just isn't. So I, I get your frustration. Here, here's a thought. If you loved Chris Carson so much, why in God's name didn't you address your god-awful offensive line during the draft? Why did you draft Rashard Penny if you were so convinced that Chris Carson was going to be such a dynamic player for you? How about that? Now you exactly. have no one to block for either player. Idiot. I, I think the uh... – the Seahawks kind of tripped into that dynasty, I feel like. I mean, they, they found a bunch of undrafted guys or late-round guys that just really panned out, and it, it just shows you every now and then you get lucky. But, uh, yeah, that, that team is pretty god-awful now. So, um, real quick, one last thing before we get into week three. You're down in Tampa Bay. What's Fitzmagic like? What's it like down there? They love him, man. I told you when we, when we first started these pods – for the season that people were really making a hard turn on uh, on Jameis Winston. And as far as the fan base goes, obviously everybody's loving it. Um, journeyman guy who's doing all the right things. Um, easy, likable guy. And they're winning games. That's the most important thing. They're winning games and they're fun to watch. So as far as as far as the fan base and the situation and the, the theme down here, it's all in on Ryan Fitzpatrick at this point. I'm not necessarily there, but, but go ahead with your thoughts. Well, I... I, I'm not there either. I think that we're waiting for him to turn into a pumpkin. We know what, what he's all about. We've seen him play before. We've seen him be successful before as a gunslinger. And then the next week he comes in and he throws four picks. I thought he was going to throw four picks this week against Philadelphia. I was wrong. He continued to light the world on fire. Uh, but are you still are you still pro-Jameis? Do you still think it's going to be Jameis's job once he's back week th- week four? Well, this is this is kind of a similar situation to, to my thoughts on Patrick Mahomes. So we've got Ryan Fitzpatrick facing the Steelers this week. So you could assume he's going to have another productive week. That's only going to help build his case. Um, week four will be kind of the, the final determining factor. Well, Jameis only has he, – he's only suspended for three weeks. So they talk, they, they brought it down right. from four to three. Right. That's so, my mistake. So, so and on, even on top of that – Right, so on week five, they have a bye. And on week four, they actually have a short week. So I think that the Bucks might just say, hey, we're going to – if Fitzpatrick plays well against Pittsburgh, and even if they lose but he plays well, I still think – I think Fitzpatrick's a start of week four. And they, they, they reassess after the bye. That's fair. And I don't think that they'll – that they'll take Fitzpatrick out when Jameis returns. I personally would. I would have made this a, a clear-cut, you know, situation heading into it, saying Jameis is our starter, just like many other teams did with other situations in the league heading into this year. Um, but I think they will continue to play Fitzpatrick. Actually, Deshaun Jackson, which I'm not surprised because he's blown up the first couple weeks, he came out and said, you keep riding the wave. You, you know, yeah. You play the hot hand. And that's that's pretty true in sports. I think it's 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 pretty puzzling confidence that's created that's created when that happens, but it continues to work itself out. Then after maybe a few shaky weeks by Fitzpatrick, they may make a change. Here's my thing: at the end of the day, he's not going to change who he is. He's played ten years in the league. He's averaged sixty percent completion percentage with a just over one touchdown to a one interception ratio. He had one good year, two thousand fifteen, followed it up with an atrocious two thousand and sixteen, and now he's starting this season off with seventy nine percent, eight to one touchdown to interceptions and one hundred and fifty one quarterback rating. I mean that's that's not real. So right. Right. We know who Ryan Fitzpatrick is, and he's been that guy for ten years, and he'll continue to be that guy for the rest of this year. And it'll be telling to see how Jameis responds, too. 
you know, obviously Jameis has maturity issues with the whole thing that was going on at Florida State, and then, of course, with the Uber driver that he's now being sued by. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see if they do decide to play Fitzpatrick week four, how he responds. Is he going to be positive about it, or is he going to sulk and, you know, try to get out of Tampa, which – if he does, Tampa's in a in an interesting predicament. Do you know they try to move him? Do they try to keep him? Uh, you know, obviously you've mentioned a few times that that the media and and the team are starting to get fed up with him. Um, so it, it's a tricky situation down in Tampa. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how this all plays out and, and kind of hearing your comments as the boots on the ground there down in well, uh, in, in Florida. I'll end with this suggestion. I'd I'd continue to ride him while they're going to play him. But I'd be hesitant to depend on any long-term stability. I wouldn't. I wouldn't make some big trade with the the number one quarterback you drafted and had Fitzpatrick as your backup to keep Fitzpatrick and count on him for the rest of the year. I definitely right. wouldn't buy into that yet. Yeah, no, I agree with that, and I think a lot of people are agreeing too because he's still very available on the waiver wire. Uh, so, good matchup this weekend against Pittsburgh. They just got shredded by Mahomes for five touchdowns. Uh, we'll see if if. You know, teams make the. Uh, I, I have them in a two quarterback league, and I'm starting uh, Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins over him. I just, I just don't. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop with Fitzpatrick. I, like you said, we've seen him for ten years. We know who he is. We know what he is. He's, he's not a good NFL quarterback. No. Um, okay, so let's dive into week well, three. He, he went to Harvard, and he has a beard too. Don't forget that. Um, so uh, let's dive into week three, Thursday night. Your Browns host the New York Jets. Will be this be the first win in 600-plus games, or 600-plus days? It will be the first win. I like the Browns this week. Um, I think the Lions three. Uh, definitely uh, like them to cover that. Uh, I would say buy into Antonio Callaway. Love mm-hmm. Antonio Callaway this week. They have no other choice. I mean, obviously, Jarvis Landry is, is an automatic play. Um but at this point, they need to show an investment in Callaway. Um, you know, Higgins will still be involved. But for me, Antonio Callaway is uh, definitely a risk to take this week. Yeah, I picked up Antonio Callaway uh, after the Josh Gordon news uh, that he's being traded. Like that pickup, I think he's a solid, you know, wide receiver three flex. Being a rookie, being on a team with a questionable pass game. You know, he will be inconsistent from time to time, but he has flashed as a what could be a, a, a pretty solid fantasy football option for you in your, in your weekly starting lineup. Obviously, like I said, if you can rely on him as a fill-in, that, that's probably better off. Don't rely on him as a starter. But uh, I do like his opportunity with the Jets, also with it being a Thursday night game. I do try to shy away from players on Thursday night games. I'm not a fan of the, the short week, as most of the NFL players uh, agree with that sentiment. But, uh, you know, like you said, Jarvis Landry is definitely my only must-start. They've been talking about trying to get Duke Johnson more involved. Generally, when you hear teams talking about trying to get a player more involved, they force-feed him the ball. Carlos Hyde has not been good. Nick Chubb's been mediocre. They need to get Duke Johnson involved. He's one of the more electric players on the team. But what about the other side? What do you take about the whole Crowell and uh, Bilal Powell split? Well, the Browns, over the course of the past five years, maybe even a few years longer, have, have had a pretty consistently good run defense. So I would stay away from starting either one of those guys. Um, I think the Browns, their front seven shows up. Um, Miles Garrett's going to cause havoc on the field. Um, 
I just don't think they're really going to be able to get anything going. I think that pressure Sam Darnold into doing some things that he hasn't been accustomed to have to do these first two weeks, start making some bigger decisions on his own, checking out of things at the line of scrimmage. So stay away from those two running backs against the Browns' run deep. The one guy I, I would suggest to, to play for the Jets is Quincy Nunwa. He is my favorite free agent pickup from last week. Actually, from week one, I got him in a few leagues. Uh, oddly enough, in the five redraft leagues I'm in, the only league he was drafted in was our league. And uh, 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 Reg A picked him up, I believe. So uh, good move by him. But I love Nunez's floor. He's going to just be a five-catch guy, seven-catch guy. He might not score a touchdown, but he's going to flirt with 100 yards every week. He's just a solid possession receiver. Deploy him as your wide receiver three, and you'll, you'll be in good shape. I think he's just a, a really good fantasy option week in, week out. He's become a consistent starter for me. Um, definitely pick up Quincy Nunwa if he's available anywhere, which I hope to God he isn't because he's just too good for that. Um, next game, Buffalo Bills at Minnesota Vikings. We talked about the Bills' offense and how terrible it is. Vikings' defense has the chance to be the highest-scoring defense in the, in the league this week. But on the other side of the ball for the Vikings on the offense, you know, you have your studs. You have Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Kyle Rudolph. You know, last week we saw all three receivers and obviously Kirk Cousins have monster games. Um, are we going to see that again with the Bills? Yes. Kirk Cousins for me is is possibly the number one quarterback this week to play. So, again, you mentioned it. He's a no-brainer regardless really any week, but I, I think he has another explosion game this week. Um, you mentioned Dalvin Cook. Keep an eye on keep an eye on him. I know he's got a bit of a nagging injury. Maybe that gets Latavius Murray into play. I, I wouldn't be scared of playing him. Um, they're going to pass that ball all over the field. He's got potential to catch passes out of the backfield. Um I'm also real high on playing basically any Minnesota wide receiver or anyone capable of catching a pass in this game. I think it's going to be Route City. And again, it kind of feeds into uh, Murray getting some action, especially even if Dalvin Cook plays and they call the dogs off early and make sure that they don't you know, unnecessarily tweak something even uh, more than it's already sore. That's my one concern with this game is that they're going to be up big so quickly and you know maybe – Laquan Treadwell or Jarris Wright scores a touchdown, and your your studs Thielen and Diggs and Rudolph and Dalvin might be taken out too soon, and they don't get the opportunity to score big. I like the chance for Kirk Cousins to have a great game. Um, you know, even the defense could score a couple touchdowns and you know force the starters out early. We saw that happen with Todd Gurley last week. He had three touchdowns in the first half, and then he barely played in the second half, so he only finished with, with uh, 16 touches when he should have had at least 20. So that's my one concern with that game, but yeah, if you have a Viking on your roster, you're starting them, no questions asked. The Bills' defense is dog shit. Their offense is dog shit. Minnesota is a Super Bowl contender, and uh, this is going to be a bloodbath. I don't know what the line is. You couldn't give me... If you told me the line was 21, I might take the Vikings. Um, Hot take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it could get in the 30s or 40s, and we've seen plenty of those games already this season. And against the Bills, yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah, yeah, I wouldn't hesitate on, on yeah. following suit there. All right, uh, Cincinnati Bengals playing the Carolina Panthers. Um, some good options here for your fantasy squads. Obviously, Joe Mixon's out for at least two weeks with a knee procedure. 
Uh, he hurt his meniscus on thir- on Thursday Night Football last week. Gio Bernard has been the number one waiver wire. Uh, he is probably going to have a, a workhorse role. We've seen him in the past excel as catching on the backfield as well as running in between the tackles. But anybody else you like from this game? Not really. I think there's no real risky plays here. I think both defenses are very average. Um, I think anybody that you have that's you know a one or a two is an automatic play in this game. Tyler Boyd for sure. He's now the clear number two for John Ross, who's been basically poo-poo um, this season, and they he's coming off, in my opinion, two seasons or a season where he has to make things happen this year. Or he's done. So I think they basically said, look. This leash we were giving you this year, it's cut, it's gone. Tyler Boyd's making plays. He's the clear number two. Uh, I'd really start to invest in Tyler Boyd and play him week to week. Yeah, I was able to grab him with one of my picks in the waiver wire. One league is where I started no receiver because I lost Doug Baldwin. Uh, I'm considering playing him. We'll see how it goes. It's going to be a game-time decision. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey, stud, had 13 receptions last week, was one reception behind um, the all-time record of 14. can't remember who that was off the top of my head. But, um, he, you know, McCaffrey just continues to be an RB1 that will not change against the Bengals, whose, whose defense has played pretty well the first few weeks. You know, if you got Cam Newton and you don't have another good quarterback option like I do with Mahomes, you start Cam Newton, he's got the upside to be a top-five quarterback. But you know what, Farky, it, it never changes year to year. I hate having Cam Newton on my team for the first three quarters of the game, and then all of a sudden he scores like two touchdowns, rushes for 50 yards in the fourth quarter, next thing I know he's got 30 points. You know, it, it's, it's worth the acid reflux in the end, but those first three quarters are brutal with him. Year over year, though, he's, he's a top-five quarterback. He makes plays, and he's so dynamic that, yeah, you're going to have that heartburn throughout the game, but at some point – He's going to make a play that most other quarterbacks can't make. Just hope you don't have to watch him because whenever he he comes on a red zone, you just see him you know overthrow Devin Funchess or just he does that thing where he torques his body as hard as possible and yep. you know his receiver is 15 yards away from him, but he's throwing it like he's 50 yards away from him. That's that's the cam for you, but uh, he's the worst. Yeah, he's a little worse. But DJ Moore had a nice long touchdown last week. I think the Panthers want to get him more involved. Uh, the first-round rookie out of Maryland, so hopefully that happens. I drafted him in our league, cut him, because he just is not getting the touches I expected uh, early on this season, especially with Greg Olson going down. Uh, but I, keep an eye on him as maybe being a sleeper in that game. I kissed his sorry ass goodbye, too. Attaboy. Uh, Denver Broncos at Baltimore Ravens. Farky, Alex Collins, close to your heart. What are your thoughts on him moving forward? I think he's a risk. He's getting nowhere near the touches that he got in the second half of last season. Um, they're just not getting him involved. And there's going to be leagues that I, I don't play him in. Now it's all going to depend, depend on what type of benches you have, who you have to plug and play in there for him. But um, his, lack of, his lack of receptions, his lack of targets, and uh, other than you know one of the two weeks really is his lack of, of rushes. So – I don't have a lot of confidence in him right now. Buck Allen is my n- n- number one enemy. I hate Buck Allen. I've always hated Buck Allen. Back when I had Justin Forsett on my team with Alex Collins last year, Buck Allen continues to steal targets from players, goal line carries, mm-hmm. and Buck Allen is one of the least efficient players in NFL history. I forget what the exact stat was last year, but at one point his yard per reception was the least 
in NFL history. It was something like three yards per reception, which is almost unheard of in the NFL. It actually is unheard of until Buck Allen played. Um, you know, last week, Buck Allen got a one-yard rush for a touchdown. Next time on the goal line, Alex Collins got the opportunity. He didn't He didn't make it happen, unfortunately. But I got to say this. Collins' week was somewhat saved last week with, with a couple nice scampers uh, catching the ball in the backfield, which he did not do a lot of last season. So it's good to see that he has the capability to do it. But he's got moves. I mean, he is easily the most talented running back in Baltimore. But for some reason, they keep on getting Buck Allen involved. I mean, it's Collins is one of those Collins is one of those players where he needs twenty carries to get going. He's kind of like a Marshawn Lynch, not as aggressive as a, as talented or as physical, but he's a guy like Marshawn Lynch where he needs to beat down the defense and tire him out before he can break off that twenty yard run, thirty yard run. That's the kind of player he is, and if Harbaugh's not going to give him that opportunity, us fantasy owners are going to be very, very frustrated with Alex Collins' uh, production. Well, what frustrates me the most is historically John Harbaugh has set up his offenses by running the ball, a, a traditional pro-style pounded offense, and then open it up for Joe Flacco, who does have the arm strength and then throws down the field, and it's worked for him. He's had a lot of success, but for some reason he refuses to do that with his team. Yeah. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Philip Lindsay was week one's waiver wire darling. Had a great week two. Looks like he is the leader of the Broncos running back committee. There, is this going to continue for the rest of the season, or have we seen the best of Philip Lindsay? I think there's potential there for the rest of the season. I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't stray away from him necessarily. This week in particular, it it's maybe a little risky. Uh, Baltimore D at home, um, regardless of really you know, what they've done throughout the season. They're a pretty good defense at home, so that would be my only concern here. Yeah, I think this this could be a more of a hard-nosed football game, and maybe Royce Freeman is a better fit for this game. Um, obviously, Devontae Booker is a non-factor nowadays. He's, he's a nobody. But Royce Freeman, tough physical runner, uh, more of a stout running back, whereas Philip Lindsay's your more of a traditional scat back, speed guy. Uh, if they do the thunder and lightning approach, I like Freeman to be the thunder guy, and this matchup with the Broncos could be uh, lend a little bit more towards his skill set than Philip Lindsay's. But I agree. I think Lindsay is still a great option for the rest of the season. Uh, I was shocked that he had 100 yards last week. Didn't expect him to to keep that moving, but he did. So uh, you know, more power to him. I love seeing a story like that. Undrafted guy out of Colorado, really fared well in the preseason, obviously, to make the team, and now he's making the best of his situation as uh, the lead of that running back committee in Denver. One, one other thing I want to just mention, even though we know Emmanuel Sanders is a guy who's a must-start anyway, but sometimes you know people think about, well, you know, how, how's he going to get targets compared to... Um, uh, Demarius. Demarius, yes, thank you. I'll tell you, this week he's playing against a slot corner in Tavon Young who stinks. He gave up two touchdowns and eight targets to Tyler Boyd last week. Stinks. Emmanuel yeah. Sanders goes off. I love Emmanuel Sanders. I thought he was going to have a huge bounce back season this season. Uh, I was right about that. His uh, ankle injury last year just really slowed him down. Terrible quarterback play as well. Didn't help. And now Keenum is not a great quarterback, but he's good enough. And we're seeing that with Emmanuel Sanders. And, you know, as much as I, I am a big Demarius Thomas fan, but – I think the ship has sailed on him being the best receiver in Denver, and obviously Emmanuel Sanders means more to that offense than Demarius does. And I think uh, Denver fans are starting to turn on him as well from everything I've heard too. So, um, Green Bay Packers are playing the Redskins in Washington. We have Aaron Jones coming off suspension. Jamal Williams did not look good in week one and week two. What's Aaron Jones' role moving forward, Farkey? 
All right, so here's my thoughts on Aaron Jones. He he has the potential, you know, throughout the course of the season to gain that number one spot back. Could be a stud. Um, we, we have a good friend, um, someone who contributes to the pod, who has a lot of faith in Aaron Jones. My comment here is anyone thinks that Aaron Jones is going to come from behind and he's just walking in week one back and going to take the starting role is nuts. Maybe over time, but definitely do not blow your entire fab account on this guy. He's not worth it, not right now, not right away. Um, McCarthy came out and said Ty Montgomery and Jamal Williams, those guys both have done very well. They've earned the opportunity to continue to get carries. This is not going to be Aaron Jones's week. Um, I think he slowly gets incorporated in. So I don't think he has a lot of, you know, RB1 or strong RB2 value for maybe five weeks down the road. I think that's fair. I think it's going to take him some time to get acclimated to the offense. Obviously, they're trying to limit how much Aaron Rodgers has to move around, so they'll be playing from the shotgun a lot. Uh, I, you know, I'm not sure if that's Aaron Jones' strength. I think maybe Ty Montgomery might be better suited for that type of offense. But I agree with you. I'm not going to blow my budget on, on Aaron Jones yet. If I can pick him up as the end of the bench stash. Who uh, um, I, mean, I think probably the Monday Night Man might consider it um, <laughs> after week one. And I do love that Burris dropped him out of nowhere. He probably didn't even know who Aaron Jones was. He did. That was one of those where you say someone someone uh, goes to draft him and you say, uh, what position? And they look yes. down on their sheet to mark it off. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, let's talk about the next game because we have another guy returning. This guy from injury, though, and not from a suspension. The Colts are playing the Eagles. Carson Wentz is back. Are you starting Carson Wentz if you have him on your squad? Yes. Yep. Really? Okay. Explain, sell me on that because I'm not. I'm playing Big Ben over him this week. Okay. Well, it, it, uh, on the road. Oh, that's a good point. It's a good point. Didn't think of that. Oh <laughs> that's why we gosh. have these podcasts, so we can talk <laughs> it out. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Uh, so, yeah, maybe Big Ben at home is a better play. I think there's a handful of quarterbacks that are a better play. Um, but we've all seen, um, you know, some film on Carson Wentz moving around in practice. Uh, I think they've been very transparent with uh, with his recovery and his status. Uh that team's really clicking right now. Uh, that offense is really good, and he's got a lot of pieces that he can work with and come in. He knows the offense. The, the guy is a absolute wonderful quarterback. So I think he is a rare situation where he can come in and put up numbers for you in that offense. Well, the only thing I'm a little bit concerned about is the lack of a solid receiver. I mean, Noel, Sean Jeffrey, they got Zach Ertz, who's good, obviously. Uh, Nelson Aguilar has been okay. Other than that, they're pretty banged up. Mike Walsh just got hurt. He's on the IR. Uh, they just re-signed Jordan Matthews. He might be active week one. I'm not sure. But they don't have a ton of weapons for him, and Jai might be out, which if that's the case, Corey Clement slides into the starting role. I, I don't expect Darren Sproles to play, but it'll be interesting to see if he's active for this week. Uh, so I, I see what you're saying Zach in Ertz. regards. I, I mentioned Zach Ertz. He, he's he's obviously number one. Dallas Godair has not done anything yet, the rookie tight end. Uh, so I see what you're saying that he'll be prepared, he'll be ready physically probably as well, but I just don't think they're going to take a ton of shots with him, and 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 that could kind of just limit his ceiling. So, you know, if, hey, maybe if you have an opportunity, go ahead. I was going to say maybe if you have an opportunity to start a guy like you know Andrew Luck, if you have both guys in your roster, which that wouldn't make much sense because both had injury questions coming to the season. But I guess if you have a comparable player in your roster. 
I have a hard time starting Wentz over that player. That I agree with. There's the, and like I said, a handful of guys. But I'm, I'm going to tell you what I think of Wentz, and you're probably going to tell me to bite my tongue. But, but I think he's one of those rare talents where he is going to make the guys that are around him as good as they need to be, regardless of who they are, similar to Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I think he has that kind of moxie. I, I think he's a, another once-in-a-lifetime quarterback, and the Browns could have drafted him. <laughs> I was about to say, too bad he's not a Cleveland Brown, huh? <laughs> if he was a Cleveland Brown, he would have tore his ACL his rookie season. We both know yeah, that's, that. true. that's true. <laughs> All right, New Orleans Saints are playing the Atlanta Falcons. Start everybody, right? Everyone. Shoot yeah. out. Everyone yeah. plays. <laughs> who's who's a, who's a sleeper in this game for you? Traquan Smith. Okay. Rookie he's, receiver? Oh. Rookie receiver. Um, he's starting at the number two, I believe. or Yeah, number two over Austin Carbs. Is that right? Yeah. Austin Carr uh, was a slot guy, but I think he's kind of the number two receiver in that offense. Yeah, and Trey you, got, you got Ted Ginn battling a knee injury. Um, Peyton came out and said, look, we're going to make him a priority this week to make sure we get him involved in the offense. They, they started last week, actually, but uh, I think he only had one catch or one target. But uh, because of that, I think is why Sean Payton is, is trying to make the commitment this week to get him involved. So I, I really like uh, Trey Quan Smith this week. And they're playing in Atlanta, so I don't think that, you know, obviously still a dome, which as New Orleans plays, so it'll still be a fast game. The New Orleans defense has really struggled early on this season. Obviously they lost last week, or week one to Tampa Bay, and they, they beat the Browns, but, you know, it, the defense was not shut down dominant like they were towards the end of last year uh, in the opening two games of the season, so... Um, you know, heading into the season, I, I would have suggested possibly benching a guy like Tevin Coleman. Uh, again, obviously with with uh, Devonte Freeman out, it, it makes it a little bit different. But looking at your roster, and if you're playing the Saints, you know if this is Week One, I'm like, no, you, you got to consider benching those guys. But now we're seeing that the New Orleans defense is is definitely uh, definitely got some chinks in the armor. And with that being the case. Tevin Coleman, I think, is a great start this week. He had 100 yards rushing last week against the Panthers. Uh, he had a touchdown called back. I think he's got opportunity to be a top 15 running back this week against the Saints defense that really has not looked dominant whatsoever. Well, I think it, you made a good point about, uh, you know, about what's his name being out. Uh, Devontae Freeman. Yep, Devontae Freeman. Thank you. Uh, made a great point about him being out, but I think what even compounds that is the fact that it is going to be a shootout. So he's a back that can catch passes out of the backfield. He will target him. So you're going to get touches in the backfield and targets outside of the backfield. And Sarkeesian finally got his shit together. Must have got off the sauce for a week or maybe got back on it. I don't know. Maybe he's better when he's drunk. Uh that Tampa, uh, that Falcons defense looked right last week. Matt Ryan looked like the the, the MVP candidate that he was a few years before. Uh, four touchdowns. I think he had two passing, two rushing. Those are the numbers you expect when you draft a guy like Matt Ryan. Obviously, Julio Jones still not getting the wide receiver one numbers. He still was not able to get into the end zone. But that'll fi- they'll figure all that out, uh, I hope, as long as Sarkeesian's right. And if he's not, Sean Zeal will be back next week to just dog and drag Sarkeesian uh, on the podcast. Don't murder him. <laughs> all right, New York Giants at Houston Texans. God, how bad is this Giants line? And again, the Zebros, how happy are they with their betting the under 7.5 on the Giants this year? Uh, it's, it was as automatic as Baker Mayfield at number one. God, they're terrible. So tell me about this Houston Texans game and, and the Giants game. Who to look who to look for? Lamar Miller's first hundred yard game. Really? Go, yep. 
Give me more Giant, on that one. Well, Giants are small sample size, number 30 against the run. Um, but that aside, I think that that's, there's more value, that more, uh, more validity in that throughout the course of the season. I think they're terrible against the run. I think this just has all the makings of Lamar Miller to come out, pop, and, uh, you know, really put up true old-school Lamar Miller fantasy numbers, have his first 100-yard game. Um, at this point, Sterling Shepard is uh, dead to me. Um, he's a bust non-factor, sucks. Um, he's going to have the toughest assignment versus uh, Aaron Colvin, slot cornerback slot that they have over there. Uh, I cannot see playing Sterling Shepard. Are the Giants going to be able to get the ball downfield? I mean, Odell Beckham had in week one had like ten catches for 110 yards. So again, no. not getting down the field. Looked good with numbers wise, but can't get down the field. Saquon Barkley got bottled up last week against the Cowboys. He had saved his fantasy day by catching 13 dump off passes. I mean, this Giants team, because the offensive line is so bad, and they lost their starting center to a broken leg. This team just they, they can't get any sort of rhythm on offense. So is that going to impact first round picks in fantasy drafts like Odell Beckham and Saquon Barkley moving forward? It has to. I mean, yeah. Odell Beckham's been one of those guys where we have you know a fair few of them around the league where he's always got to be an automatic start. But Eli slipping back into you know that first half last year Eli form. And to your point, and that's exactly the point I would make, they're not making anything happen downfield. So, you know, unless unless they get into the red zone and you know for a fact they're going to target Beckham three times in a row, I mean, I'd start to cool off on, on thinking that that guy's going to get you 20 to 25 points every week. It's just not sustainable. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it, he's obviously uh, an incredible talent, but there's only so much that he can do. If, if his quarterback has less than two seconds to get rid of the ball. Uh, so, uh, you know, obviously you still start Saquon and Odell for the time being. There's no way you can bench those guys. They'll, they'll figure it out. They'll, they'll at least score points for you. They might not be what you expected drafting them in the first 12 picks, but they'll both score points for you. So. Well, and I don't, know, I don't know how Eli Apple and Janoris Jenkins line up, how they, if they share sides or they flip-flop or whatever, but either Will Fuller or Hopkins DeAndre, have another yeah. huge game because – Eli Apple's battling that hamstring injury. Yeah, yeah, and, and both guys had 100-yard games last week uh, and both scored a touchdown. Will Fuller looked awesome in his first game of the season. And Deshaun Watson, it looks like, he, you know, week one against the Patriots, he really struggled, got bottled up, but week two he looked a little bit better. Terrible, terrible mental mistake at the end of the game last week. Instead of throwing the ball, uh, he ran the ball with, like, 17 seconds left and no timeouts, and they, the Houston Texans end up losing the game. But uh, it looks like he might be getting his shit together a little bit, and, and he's back in the QB1 conversation, especially with Will Fuller being healthy. So uh, next game, we have Oakland Raiders at the Miami Dolphins. There isn't a lot to talk about this game because both teams suck. They're terrible. Um, but you, but in your notes here, you, Farky, you put Jordy Nelson is a drop. So you would be dropping Jordy Nelson right now. Yeah, I, Jordy Nelson is, has done nothing. I mean, stick a fork in him. You can't get yeah. open. Um, he's not getting targets because he can't get open. It's a shame. I mean, the guy, you know, one of those great white hope wide receivers that we have <laughs> out there, rare few breed in the NFL, his days are done. I, yeah. I don't see any value in Jordan Nelson or carrying him with the roster spot. I'd, I'd be that guy that's hunting for the next big waiver pickup and, and use him if you've got him on your roster. Yeah, I've been contemplating dropping him in our league. Uh, I have him in another league as well. Drafting him as thing, he'd be my wide receiver three. Obviously, not expecting huge, huge value from him or huge production, but 
Very disappointed in his slow start this this year. Obviously, you know, he had the knee injury two years ago. He struggled last year with Aaron Rodgers out, so that kind of says, you know, maybe it was Aaron Rodgers that made Jordy Nelson, and, and it wasn't just Jordy Nelson on town alone. Um, but it is disappointing to see, you know, he's definitely at the twilight of his career. And obviously the, the, the Packers knew that because they cut him just outright. They didn't even trade him. Just got rid of him once they signed Jimmy Graham. So I'm not ready to drop him yet, but give me two more weeks of, you know, Five to six points a game, and he'll be on my he'll be on my cut list. So, and give me give me a big week from Jared Cook. He had a quiet week last week. I like to have him to have a big bounce back week. Dolphins are pretty solid on the outside um, at the corners, so that could open things up for him. Keep that in mind. Yeah, Forty uh, Nine ers at Kansas City Chiefs. I have uh, Jimmy Garoppolo as my top play this week. Reason being. Look what the Chiefs have done on defense. They allowed Phillip Rivers and uh, Big Ben to combine for 10 touchdowns and over 800 yards in two games. No-brainer start for Jimmy Garoppolo. I think this is one of his big breakout games. The question is, who will he throw it to? Will George Kittle be there? Uh, Marquise Goodwin, will he be healthy? He was practicing today. Uh, Dante Pettis really didn't do much uh, last week, given the opportunity. And then, of course, you have Pierre Garçon, Mount Union's finest. Uh, either way, I think what's going to end up happening, though, is the most dynamic player other than Jimmy Garoppolo on this team against the Chiefs will be Matt Breda, who I was able to pick up in a few leagues. He's going to be starting as my RB2 in a couple leagues, and I feel very comfortable with that. Am I crazy for thinking that Breda will continue his uh, dominance as he has uh, in the first few games of the season? No, I, I agree with you there. I think he pulls away. Even more this game, uh, it hasn't been you know his complete workload up till now, but I think this is another game where he can create some separation there and, and more solidify himself as the guy. Um, in terms of, of Jimmy G, uh, they really didn't expect him to throw many passes last week. They're, the 49ers are going to do nothing but chase points this week, so I couldn't agree with you more. I think this is the Jimmy G breakout game. Um, again, can't guarantee who he's going to be flinging it to, uh, it's kind of all going to depend on, on Marcus Goodwin's status. Um, he's going to get a majority of the plays and the targets if he's in. But then you have, you know, Dante Pettis, Pierre Garçon, like you mentioned. And it's like, how do those guys, um, you know, split the rest of the plays? Last week, actually, uh, even in, in Goodwin's absence, um, Pettis had one less play than Pierre Garçon. So if some people are thinking, well, if Goodwin's out, it's all, it's all Pierre Garçon. I got to play him. He's going to get the ball. That wasn't necessarily the case last week, so keep that in mind. Yeah, I, I started Garcon thinking he'd have a big game, and he really didn't do much. Uh, a few catches, nothing crazy. But um, one thing I want to ask you, though, and hear your thoughts on, is obviously this Kansas City offense we talked about in the open. Pat Mahomes is a stud. He's got a ton of studs around him. But the one guy that has struggled to have consistent uh, a, a consistent hot start that was a first-round or second-round pick is Kareem Hunt. Is he getting lost in the fold, and do you expect that to continue moving forward? I hate to say I expect it to continue because the guy is a talent. He was such an important part of that offense last year. And if you watch their offense, they, they didn't change anything. I mean, they knew they were going to be putting Mahomes in there this season, so they were certainly going to pretty much keep things intact that he learned last year. But, you know, first off, the problem for fantasy owners is he has no touchdowns. Um, and I, I think the other biggest problem is he's had zero um, involvement in the passing game, which is really but, odd because he was involved in the passing game quite a bit last year. He's had right. nothing to do with it. 
Uh, yeah, so Hunt that, actually Hunt, Hunt actually scored <laughs> scored in a receiving touchdown last week. But but you're rushing, right. Rushing, I'm sorry, he, rushing. He has not. He's done almost nothing rushing. I mean, he's had, he has one catch this year, and it was for a touchdown. He's I mean, he's getting the attempts. He got 16 rush attempts in week one. He got 18 in week two. He didn't do a ton with it in week one, and in week two he had 75 yards, but only two targets in two games. And that's is that I, just yeah. is, is that just a product of 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 Mahomes having so many other options to go to or or you know obviously with Tyreek Hill I mean he's had a bunch of long touchdowns that just limits the opportunities obviously for for a guy like Kareem Hunt in the passing game I guess well I I think there's truth to that because if you think about it, it most of the time in a passing offense your your running back or maybe your tight end is going to be you know your outlet so you know maybe the checkdowns last year you know, made it more of a possibility for Kareem Hunt to be the last option throw to him, and that hasn't happened this year because they've been so successful in running that offense, and Mahomes has really just found everyone all over the field and spread the ball around. So um, I don't think it's necessarily a case of them phasing him out of the offense. It's just they've been so darn efficient that they haven't even had to use him as an option. Well, we, and we saw that in week one with Travis Kelsey. He had one catch. I mean, granted, he had six targets, but one catch didn't do much with it. And then in week two, he had over 100 yards, two, catch, two touchdowns. So I think what's going to end up happening is, is maybe Hunt won't be the top five, top six running back that I thought he would be coming to the season. But I still think he'll end up as a top 12, top 15 running back. You'll still be somewhat happy with his production. It might be sporadic, so he might have a eight-point game this week and a 25-point game next week. But in the end, when you average it all out over 16 games, I still think he'll be a pretty good fantasy player for you just because, like you said, they're going to spread the ball out. Uh, and in one game, he might be the, the, the focal point of the offense. The other game, it might be Tyreek Hill. The other game might be Travis Kelsey. Um, but in the end, he's in an amazing offense, and that carries a ton of weight when, when look, looking at your starter sits each, each week. And I think it's a no-brainer that you start Kareem Hunt, even if he is struggling a little bit to get uh, targets out of the backfield. I think I think where you could find the most value with Kareem Hunt getting involved in the passing game, and especially to start, would be week five against the Jaguars because, you know, the, that defensive backfield is going to be locked down, so they're probably going to be forced to go to him there. Um, they got the Rams week 11, and they've got uh, – I'm sorry, they've got the Rams week 11, and uh, they've got a tough matchup week 14. Don't know who it is, but those three weeks, especially five, eleven, and fourteen, he could really see a lot of targets compared. To week fourteen, them. week fourteen, they got the Ravens. So again, a pretty tough, uh, pretty tough game for him. So yeah, absolutely, good points. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next game. Let me pull up my sheet real quick right here. We have the Tennessee Titans at Jacksonville Jaguars. I just saw the Jaguars beat my Patriots without the services of Leonard Fournette, my first round pick in the in the league from the Ville. I was. Definitely missing Fournette in that, but I did start Corey Grant over him, um, and I, Grant should be getting way more touches than he has been in in week one and week two. Even I mean, he had I believe he had six receptions uh, for fifty some odd receiving yards. We didn't get a ton of carries. T.J. Yeldon's banged up. I still think I, so. I think Fournette plays this week. He, he practiced today on Wednesday. Corey Grant still deserves a starting spot on your roster. I just think he's a good player. He reminds me a lot of the change of pace type Michael Turner back when they had uh, Turner to Daniel Tomlinson. He's a bigger back that, when he gets in space, can make people miss. Um, he's strong. I saw somebody call him slippery on Twitter. I thought that was a really good uh, description of him. So I like Corey Grant. Anybody else you like in this game? 
Well, depending on Leonard Fournette, which it sounds like he is going to play, I would say you could you could trust starting Bortles. If, if Fournette starts, uh, there's no way you can start Bortles. But I would say I only like him based on that start. Um, I, I do not like Corey Coleman. I don't think he Corey Davis. Corey Davis. I've got Browns on the mind. Uh, <laughs> I like. Corey, I do not like Corey Davis. Um, he's drawing the best secondary in the league this week. It's going to be night night for him. Um, Back to your comment on Corey Grant, I do think he's still going to be a starting option. Uh, I think at this point, can we all say that Leonard Fournette has an injury problem? Uh, they've got to take some of the workload off of him. They'd be stupid not to. Um, he's not somebody that they won't miss in you know, a week every two or three games, something like that. So yeah. I think they have to continue to keep Corey Grant involved. Yeah, obviously last year Grant had the issues with – I'm sorry, not Grant. Fournette had the issues with the, his ankle, uh, and that caused him to miss two games. He also got suspended one game, I believe, for missing the team picture, which I, I had a conspiracy theory last year that had a lot to do with him being held out of the second game due to the injury. Uh, you know, he got hurt with a hamstring on a fluke play. He was, it was the, the field was slippery. He got tackled awkwardly, and he came down awkwardly. I think, honestly, I think he actually probably could have played against the Patriots, but knowing they're looking at the long term, and to your point, they want to bubble wrap this guy best they can, they should limit his workload. I think Don't last they... year Go ahead. Last year he was on a 300-plus uh, carry 16-game uh, base and, you know, obviously missing those few games. He he was in the 240s, I believe, which which is probably where they want to keep him. But after seeing him play, after seeing Corey Grant play and TJ Yeldon play, and and how much they just didn't need Leonard Fournette, it just made me just you know. Sean and I have talked about this. We've talked about it. You know, the Monday Night Man's talked about it. Why are teams drafting running backs so early? It makes absolutely no sense. You don't need that in the NFL nowadays. You just don't. There's so many interchangeable guys who can come in and play the position that you do not need to use a a, a top. 20 pick on running back don't forget he missed a bunch of games at lsu too yeah oh yeah I mean, the lower body issues have always been a concern with him uh and that that was his knock going into the going to the pros i drafted him 11th overall in our league i knew that this would be a concern i didn't think it was going to happen in week two um i'm yet to get a full game from him this week or this year so i'm hoping he he figures that out uh sometime, sometime soon because uh i'm f- Facing starting Peyton Barber until uh, Chris I, or uh, Mark Ingram comes back from his suspension in Week Five, so not looking forward to that. Uh, Chargers at Rams. I mentioned, do you bench Keenan Allen versus the Rams? You don't, so I'm just going to skip that. But Mike and Tyrell Williams, the two Williams guys on the the Chargers, do you like either of them this week? No, I say sit the Williams boys. Neither mm-hmm. neither of them are a lock, and it's one of the toughest matchups in the league. So I don't I don't think you can trust it. Um, if you're if you're at the mercy of, of having you know an injured starter or you know limited bench, then maybe you roll the dice. But for me, I'm not starting either one of those guys. Not okay. with uh, neither one of them having more of a commitment than the other at this point from the offense. Yeah, I agree. I don't. I don't. I like Mike Williams long term. I do not like him this week against the Rams. That's just too good of a defense. Uh, you know, you, you sit your fringe guys. You don't sit your studs. But you sit your fringe guys against the Rams, and and clearly, uh, you know, the Williams guys are both fringe guys. Next game, we have Chicago Bears at Cardinals. I don't think we really need to, take, to spend too much time on this because we talked about David Johnson in the open. Uh, you know, take it with a grain of salt, or or just consider. 
Maybe it's hard to trust Larry Fitzgerald with that that offense struggling, but you start David Johnson for the time being and and see how it how it shapes up. I think it'll be all right. But Jordan Howard really hasn't done a ton in the first two weeks. Do you think this is the weeks the week they uh, the Bears get him going? Yeah, I think he's the only guy you can trust in this game other than the Bears defense. Uh, I think this is a, a perfect spot for him to have a big game and. Um, I think they'll establish the, the, the game, the offensive game plan with him um, by pounding him the ball, getting him touches, you know, whether it's carries or out of the backfield. So without a doubt, I'm big on Jordan Howard this week. Okay. Uh, next game, Cowboys at Seahawks. Two teams that I just do not like this year. I think that they both stink. I think Dak Prescott's trash. I think Russell Wilson's great, but the rest of the team around him is trash. Uh you know, there, there's one star in this game, and that's Zeke. And he's a no-brainer must-start. I think they're going to lean on him a lot this week. I think he's going to have a vintage 150-yard, two-touchdown game. If you draft him fourth, fifth overall, you're going to be very happy with the production that you get from Ezekiel Elliott this week. Uh, anybody else you like in this game? Maybe Tyler Lockett. I, I have him as a fringe guy. Touchdowns the first two weeks, plus some targets. Uh, that offense is got awful, but – they have to try to throw the ball to someone. And Russell Wilson, still Russell Wilson, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So if there's anybody else that I'd say is a fringe guy, would be Tyler Lockett. Don't trust any of the running backs on the Seattle team. We know that. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Marshall is sneakily turning into a PPR wide receiver three, maybe even a flex uh, if, you, if you're in a pinch. I didn't pick him up anywhere just because I felt like that his time had passed. But, uh, you know, he looks like he could be an option. Uh, he's not going to win any leagues, but he might not lose you a game. So that, that his benefit there. And then also you have uh, the rookie tight end, Disley, right? That's the name, Will Disley or something? Disley, uh, yes. Yeah, he's, he's kind of come out of nowhere. He had a long touchdown week one, had three more catches for a decent amount of yards in week two. I mean, is he a guy that you would even consider starting this week? You know what? I, I noted him, but I wasn't. I didn't want to put enough stock in him. I, I would say he's kind of a swing for the bench fences type guy. Uh, again, if you're in a tight pinch, maybe you know close your eyes and, and take a stab, but that's about it. Yeah, obviously, you know um, we lost Delaney Walker and Greg Olson week one. Johnu Smith, who's Delaney Walker's backup in Tennessee, laid a goose egg. He he frustrated the hell out of people. Uh, people might be getting sick of Trey Burton, who fortunately he had a touchdown, a swing pass, but he hasn't seen much in the Chicago offense. You have a guy who struggled like George Kittle, who did nothing in week two, though I think he has a big week week three against Kansas City. Uh, if you're sick of George Kittle, I, you know Disley could be an option for you on the waiver wire, but I wouldn't suggest it. But if if you're not seeing the production from your tight end that you're expe- expecting, and really there's only five or six good tight ends right now. Now, uh, you know, he could be a, a lotto ticket for you that you could pick up off the waiver wire, stash at the end of your bench, and if he continues to, to excel, he could be a good option because the, the Seahawks need a reliable pass catcher outside of Tyler Lockett and Brandon Marshall, uh, and, and both of those guys themselves really aren't as reliable as, as they'd hope. But uh, Lockett does have two touchdowns in the first two weeks, so I actually agree with you on that one, Farkey. I would definitely start him uh, if he's on my roster. Uh, next game, we have my Patriots playing the Lions in Detroit on Sunday Night Football. If the over/under is at seventy points, I might take the over. <laughs> this game is going to have a lot of offense and not a lot of defense. Uh, who are some of your favorite plays from this game? It's a guy that I desperately need because I need wins in both my fantasy leagues this week. Rob Gronkowski. Uh, I, I don't think it's a, a prayer either by me. I think he explodes. Um, this is a good spot for him. Uh, 
Another interesting one is I'm so tempted to start Rex Burkhead over Chris Thompson Ooh. just because of the way that Ooh. my lineup shakes out. Oh, um, I I don't know. I just there's something about him coming back and, and being in that offense with Brady and the fact that they're playing Detroit. Um, I probably won't. In fact, I'm pretty certain I won't. But I'm I'm not going to say it's not in the back of my mind. I want to start Rex Burkhead. I do, but Sony Michelle's back. He played. Uh, he outplayed Rex Burkhead last week. Neither of them played great, but uh, they're just. I think getting Sony's sea legs under him. He he showed some speed, showed some lateral quickness that Rex Burkhead was definitely lacking. Uh, Burkhead really hasn't been targeted that much out of the backfield. He hasn't been there on goal line. Then again, the Pats really haven't been on the goal line that much. Um, you know, last year they had a weird split where he pretty much played in the red zone and he was able to catch the ball, score a few touchdowns. He was a pretty effective player in the red zone, but we're not seeing that so far this year. Personally, I would not be starting Rex Burkhead. I'm actually benching him for Dion Lewis in the league and I am benching him for somebody worse than Dion Lewis, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. Might actually be Antonio Callaway. I think I'm starting Callaway in, in my flex. Okay. Um, but I, I just don't trust Rex Burkhead right now. Um, I want to, but it just it's not panning out so far earlier on the season. I like Kenny Galladay. Okay. He's been he's been the number two receiver. I believe he's taken over Marvin Jones's spot as the number two in Detroit. Uh, well, he don't had... say that because I have Marvin Jones. So oh, well, that's too disappointing. Yes, yes. Well, there's a reason why Kenny Galladay's taking over the number two spot. <laughs> uh, I think he's actually. Uh, I'd have to look at the numbers. He's either outscored Golden Tate or he's, he's pretty damn close to outscoring him. But all the hype from last year about Galladay, we saw it in spurts last year. Well, it's coming true here in 2018. He's playing out of his mind. He's doing really well. Uh, so I like him a lot. I mean, we look at the Jaguars wide receivers last week with Keelan Cole, Dede Westbrook. Both those guys have big games. I expect that to continue uh, with Detroit. Obviously, also, too, on the other side of the ball, Matt Patricia knows the Patriots' defense, being their former defensive coordinator. You know, Tom Brady will still get his points. Gronk's going to have a big game because nobody can touch him. Uh, hot take, Josh Gordon has a touchdown this oh, week. Good hot Lord. take, Josh Gordon has a touchdown. Heard it so. here first. <laughs> I'll put an Abraham Lincoln on it. I'll put five bucks on it. And that came from the Patriots guy. <laughs> hey, so, I also, um, I, I'm, I'm also interested in Theo Riddick in this game. He's got 14 catches and 19 targets the first two weeks. So I think you know playing this this New England defense, he has potential to potentially get double digit targets. Yeah, sure. All right, so Patriots, uh, I think they'll 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 make do on a, a bad loss against the uh, the Jaguars last week and get their second win of the season. Uh, but last game, we've got to wrap it up here, going a little bit long. We have the Steelers at Tampa Bay. Obviously, we talked about all the uh, the Fitz magic and whether or not that continues, but the Steelers are having some issues on uh, internally. Uh, rumors that Mike Tomlin's lost the locker room. Antonio Brown did not show up for work on Monday after tweeting, why don't you trade me to a former uh, PR guy for the team. You know, I've seen, and then everybody went wild about whether or not Antonio Brown uh, is actually going to request a trade or the Steelers will trade him. And I simply tweeted out if the Steelers will not trade Le'Veon Bell, they're not trading Antonio Brown. Simply Agreed. put, I mean, that's just ass nine to think that he actually wants to be traded. I think it was a moment of frustration. He's a diva wide receiver. You know, you got to deal with those guys. Um, 
I actually read that he has uh, a personal photographer and videographer following him around at all times. And that person, much like Alex Guerrero on the Patriots, is no longer allowed on the sidelines. And so that could be uh, ruffling his feathers a little bit. So maybe that's Mike Tomlin trying to take some control. But, uh, you know, it, is there anything to be worried if you are a Steelers fan or if you own a guy like Antonio Brown or Big Ben? I don't think so. I don't. I don't put much stock in what's happened this week. Um, him missing Monday, as far as the personal matter goes, I think that's kind of all bullshit. Um, that aside, the the thing that concerns me particularly about this game is Big Ben's history on the road. So I don't think this necessarily stamps a happy ending on the difficult week they've had so far. Um, but moving on from this week, I think Antonio Brown will be just fine. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I think they'll they'll get him more involved. Uh, obviously, Juju Smith-Schuster has really stepped up this season. Uh, continues a breakout uh, career, really, in in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, and and obviously, you know, your your point to Big Ben struggles on the road. I mean, it's legit. It's it is legit. He struggled in Week One against Cleveland. He blew up last week at home. I will say this: at the end of the year last year, he actually played okay on the road. Uh, you know, he had a two touchdown performance against the Colts in Week Ten. He had uh, two touchdowns against the Bengals in Week Thirteen, and then Week Sixteen, he had two touchdowns against the Texans. So, you know, they here's weren't. The, here's how bad that is. It, it's not just struggles. Over the course of his career, I'd go as far to say is he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback on the road. Yeah, oh, I mean, it's you know, it's funny. And I feel like this just started happening like three years ago, though. I'd have to take a look at all of his splits from, you know, 2004 on. But I feel like it, maybe it's just come to light because fantasy football has become such a big thing and, you know, Twitter's blown up that everybody says, oh, Big Ben sucks on the road, sucks on the road. And I, and I want to say it's a narrative, but, it, I mean, it really isn't. He, his road versus at home numbers are just glaring. It's, it's crazy how much better he is on the, at home than he is on the road. So, you know, to your point about Carson Wentz versus Big Ben in a, in a league where I'm 0-2 because injuries have killed me, I have to make the right decision here this week, and I'm playing the number one team in the league. So I have to decide between Ben and Wentz, and and I think you might have convinced me to take Carson Wentz this week. So we'll see. I don't know. It's uh, It'll be a game-time decision uh, because I, I do still have some doubts about Carson Wentz. But, um, Farkey, this has been a good conversation talking week two and talking week three. Uh, we're not playing each other this week, so I wish you the best of luck. Who you got in the league this week? I have, let's see, I've got the, the wretched 9-9er in my other uh, Sean Z league in our league. That shows how much I care <laughs> who I'm playing. I don't look at the opponent. Who do I play? I'm playing. Yeah, I'm playing nine nine in our league. Um, yeah, that's right. So and his his team is strugg- struggling right now. So I'm hoping. Yeah, I lost to Rue last week. I'm sitting at one and one. Hoping to go in two and one this week. Uh, we'll see. I think a lot's going to depend on what ends up happening with Leonard Fournette. But I do want all the listeners to know that uh, Sean Z is sitting at zero and two and the bottom of our league, which always makes me happy. I'm playing Nick Vern. Oh, okay. Nick Vern's team's struggling right now, so yeah, you get Nick a shot. Vern is struggling. And you know yeah. what? You mentioned Sean Z. I got, I got a beef with Sean Z. He, he mentioned uh, on the pod that we did together uh, last week, I believe it was, or the week before, that he loved the Browns to cover that Saints game. And you know what? We did our Glory podcast group pickums for the week. Yeah. And I noticed on there that guy changed to New Orleans. He Sad. chose the Saints. Sad. Sad. Fraud. He's, he's scared. He's scared. Sad, Sean. You hear that? At the Indians game? Sipping your red wine? Being all elite and shit? Sad. Sad. 
All right, and with that, we're out. Follow us on Twitter at Glory Podcast, on Facebook, Never Any Glory Podcast. Check out our blog, www.negpodcast.com. Weekly articles coming out, start and sit, trade targets, waiver targets, talking about Thursday Night Football, Thrive Fantasy, all that good stuff. And, of course, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify. Give us five stars. You know, we're getting some emails from uh, a bunch of Russian sex bots. We like those, but send us more emails at www.negpodcast at, uh, at gmail.com. Let us know who you guys are starting this week, who you're trading for. We're happy to talk about all that stuff. So, anyways, Sparky, good talking tonight. Good luck in week three, and we'll talk to you guys next week looking at week four. Good stuff. Go Browns.